What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode here of the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts over the side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, and Ted. We're continuing on with our new head coaching series. Last week, we did Sean Payton and how he's going to affect the Denver Broncos. So in case you missed that episode, turn back because uh, even though... Like we sort of discussed in the episode that we're familiar with the scheme after being in the league for 10, 11 seasons or whatever. 15, actually. It was 15. My mistake. Off by a couple of numbers there. I was hitting the way under on that one. Yeah, exactly. So 15 seasons with the Saints. It's very interesting to see how he's going to apply some of the same concepts now with a completely different roster and obviously see if he could sort of, you know, bring back from the dead that is Russell Wilson, the quarterback and see what he can sort of do Zombie in 2023. Exactly. So let's see if we can sort of anticipate that. So yeah, make sure you go check out that episode because there's a lot of great content. But make sure, like, don't stop this episode. Keep listening to this one and then, just, then go back and listen right. to the other one you because both. we have a... You're both. Exactly, 100%. So Or listen to both at the same time. That could be interesting. It's kind of like how, uh, uh, was it Dark Side of the Moon lines up with Apocalypse Now? <laughs> I don't know, but this one, unfortunately, Tad, like, I mean, I'm still excited for the episode, but the coach that we're covering and the team that we're covering specifically may be a little bit more dire as far as fantasy aspects for this one. Um, but honestly, like looking back, like it, like doing some research on this coach, like there was some, you know, some tampering and some like weird yeah, scandal stuff that was happening. This. I yeah, didn't yeah. even realize this until I did the research for this episode. So that should be fun for this episode. So without further you know teasing here we're going to be discussing the new arizona head uh, arizona cardinals head coach and that is jonathan gannon formerly defensive coordinator of the philadelphia eagles so tad instantly like i mean when that was announced because obviously he is a former defense backs coach with the indianapolis colts and we'll get into his little bit of his coaching history here but just like you have a little bit of familiarity with him so just like how did you feel when he landed this head coaching job with arizona like just how do you feel about his aspirations like a quick take here so I think it was an interesting hire because my, my first knee-jerk reaction was that it was like just too much of a, well, for lack of a better term, another knee-jerk reaction by Arizona being like, all right, we went offensive guy last time. That didn't go well. We're going defensive guy this time. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, the more I think about it, I, I think that they didn't just go with like, you know, the hot defensive name, especially because, and remember, I'll be interested to hear your opinion on this. Um, he, villain's not the right word. He was probably the biggest point of blame like the one everybody was pointing their fingers at after the super bowl of like yes. you cost us that super bowl and we'll and get into that, that for sure yes and despite that arizona still stood strong and you know hired him and uh i i think that's a real show of like just what a good coach he is and uh i'll get into more of like the specifics of what he did in indianapolis but i knew when he was hired as the dc in philly after he was our db's coach that that he was going to be on the fast track i didn't think it would be this fast but that he was gonna be on the fast track to a head coaching job because he does seem like a very very good coach yeah and honestly during his time in indianapolis he was their secondary coach defensive backs coach and Colts had a pretty damn good secondary. Well, I, mean, do, was I was about to say, do you want me to just get into it? Because, I mean, this is a guy <laughs> that turned Malik Hooker went from a bust to a player. I was like, why did we take him to a player that once he blew his Achilles, I'm like, don't let him walk. Bring him back. Like, I wanted Malik Hooker <laughs> back. And now he's in Dallas. I'm like, damn it. Yeah. Um, 
so he, he helped Malik Hooker get his career right. He took Kenny Moore, a no-name yes. corner, Kenny and turned Moore's him into a, a name now for sure. stud. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He took – I personally love this guy because he actually went to a D2 college in my hometown of St. Louis, Missouri, Pierre Desir, who is a mid-round mm, pick. Yes. Really didn't make it much of a name for himself. He was a very solid corner for Indianapolis for about three years there. So he can, he is so good. And again, I'll get it more into this, but he is so good at recognizing, okay, even if you're quote unquote, not a great player, like I can find your strengths and, you know, capitalize on that. And that's something I've been saying a lot about, uh, Kellen Moore as well. Another coordinator that I think is on the fast track to a head coaching job. That's how you become a good coordinator. That's how you make a name for yourself. And that's how these guys rise through the ranks so fast, rather than be like, no, 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 you're going to fit my system. No, no, no. The way to do it is find their strengths. Then you build around that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So let's get into a little bit of his background here, and then it'll lead to his coaching scheme, and then obviously we'll close it out with just you know some players that we like that could fit his system, that could be good for fantasy aspirations or just real life scenarios as well for that team. So let's start with his uh, playing history. He is a former receiver and defensive back. He ended up committing to the University of Louisville. Unfortunately, suffered a career-ending hip injury, so he probably could have played it, but just he determined that. I'm just not going to be the same player. So he ended up giving up the playing stuff and he ended up being a voluntary um, assistant there. Volunteer assistant. That's the word I was looking for there. Grad grad assistant. Grad assistant. Well, he was a volunteer assistant first, and then after he graduated, he became a grad assistant in his final years there for sure. So, But that was all under a name that maybe is familiar to a lot of people there, Bobby Petrino there at University of Louisville. So from 2003 to 2005, he was a volunteer assistant. And then in 2006, he is a graduate assistant under Bobby Petrino. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty interesting. No, it is. And I looked up the 06 uh, roster to be like, hey, like these players, no one really stood out. But two players mm-hmm. that I had no idea played for Louisville uh, were on that roster. Harry Douglas. The yes. old uh, Falcons receiver went to Louisville, had no idea. And uh, this one stood out to me because, again, like maybe this was the beginnings of him, like, you know, being a good defensive backs coach. William Gay, the longtime oh. Pittsburgh Steeler, was yeah. on that roster. Nice. Nice. OK, so he was there from 2003 to 2006 at Louisville. And then in 2007, famously, Bob Petrino left the college ranks to Douche. coach the Atlanta Falcons. So um, we got John Gannon following him to the NFL level. So he landed a job there in 2007 as a defensive quality control coach. Obviously, we know the story about Bob Petrino. He ended up leaving, like, I think with four games left this season. I think it might have been five. I can't remember exactly. But pretty much mid-season, he left. And he was like, nope, I'm going back to college. And so that was just, oh, dear Lord, that was such an interesting situation Dude, and this this just goes to show, because people still are like, well, I'm not, I hate's a strong word. I don't hate Nick Saban, but I don't really like him either. And uh, people are like, well, why? And a big reason is because Saban did the exact same thing in Miami. People don't realize when a head coach quits or gets fired, it doesn't just affect the head coach and the coordinators. There's like literally like dozens of people who have uprooted their lives and, yes. you know, moved like I, I, the my one of my sources who is in the head college uh, coaching ranks literally moved from one city to the other within a week with almost no prior warning. And like to just literally quit on those people midseason, you want to do it after the season. Give them time to find a job. Great. But do it midseason. You're a douche. Yeah. So Ooh. douche number one, Ooh. Petrino. Douche number two, Saban. Yep. yep. Although Saban does look like quite the boxer. 
I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I have seen that video. Uh, but yeah, jumping back to Jonathan Gannon here. So in 2008, he took a little bit of an off year. Uh, 2009, he came back to the NFL ranks. He was a scout now, though. So he landed with the, at the time, St. Louis Rams. So he was mm-hmm. a college I saw that. scout that with them in 2009. And then he eventually became a professional level scout in 2010 and 2011. He went back to the coaching ranks in with the Tennessee Titans as a defensive quality control coach. Then after two seasons, he jumped to the Minnesota of Vikings to become an assistant defensive backs coach there. Then he eventually landed with your Indianapolis Colts in 2018, became their defensive backs coach, coached there for a couple of seasons. And then Nick Sirianni obviously became the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles in 2021. He joined his staff as the defensive coordinator, like we were sort of talking about a little bit earlier there. So he was the head defensive coordinator there for them for the Chelsea 21 season. And of course, last season when they made their Super Bowl run, and this is where it gets interesting because, yeah, the next step now is obviously he's now the Arizona head, uh, Arizona Cardinals head coach here. But, oh, man, I didn't realize this. Like, I had no idea all this was you going know, on. Like, it didn't happen until I was doing the research. I was like, oh, I didn't realize all this stuff happened. Explain the situation, then I'll give my thoughts on it because I, I have I have I definitely have some thoughts on this. For sure. For sure. So. The week before the Super Bowl, the league had determined that, you know, we didn't want to bother some of these, you know, potential head coaches out there, potential, you know, offensive coordinators, what have you like. That week before the Super Bowl is a non-contact week. So it's like, you know, let the team be with the team so they could focus on the Super Bowl. If they're not in the Super Bowl, I think you had permission. But even that, I think it was just like – it was a little bit just like, you know, you shouldn't be doing it. It was not clearly illegal or whatever, but it's like if you did it, it's like – your borderline tampering sort of thing, right? So what ended up happening? The Arizona Cardinals tried to interview him. And then on the flip side, it's like, you look at the other side, Tad, he, Jonathan Gann didn't have to accept the interview, but he did anyway. So he did interview with the Arizona Cardinals during that week before the Super Bowl. It led, obviously, to the Super Bowl performance where, you know, like you said, Ted, like a lot of people are sort of scapegoating Jonathan Gannon here saying that's like, you know, because of him not properly, you know, aligning the defense and not setting up the right schemes to understand that Patrick Mahomes is a future Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer. We need to make sure that we're doing everything to stop him and they're giving him soft skills. Uh, soft zone schemes and just like overall it didn't look like the defense was as buttoned up as they could have been and a lot of people are saying it's because Gannon's focus was not entirely on the Super Bowl he was more looking forward to his next coaching job potentially with the Arizona Cardinals there Uh, the league ended up investigating into it there was a tampering charge placed then so the Eagles and the Cardinals ended up swapping 2023 I have never heard of that yeah being forced to swap picks that's what I was like I have to be reading this wrong (laughs) No, so they swapped 2023 third-round picks, and then the Eagles also were uh, able to receive a fifth-round pick now in 2024. Um, So that happened as well. And just, yeah, that was just crazy. But then on top of it, Tad, now that he landed with the Arizona Cardinals – During the NFL draft weekend, usually head coaches are supposed to be available for the media. Maybe not every single day of the draft weekend, but at least one of them you get act you give access to the media to be like, oh, how did you feel about the draft? You know, did you land the players that you want? Do you still have holes? You know, standard questions, right? Nada. He did not give himself any sort of appearance to the media that entire draft weekend. There's a lot of local reporters saying that, you know, I've been working this beat for about 12 years, and this is the first time it's ever happened. There's a couple of reporters that chimed in that's like, I've got a couple years on you, and it still hasn't happened in my timeline as well. So a lot of people are like ruffled some, you know, 
to give a little bit of pun here, ruffled some feathers in Arizona here about, you know, just not setting a good example and being able to be available to the media. It's like, what are you trying to hide? What sort of coach are you trying to be? So it's just like a very interesting situation there. And so, Tad, I'll pass it to you here because I'm pretty sure you got some comments here. And then I got a quick quiz for you after that. Oh, God. Uh, so the, <laughs> the media availability thing, I think, sorry, Cap is starting to nip at my heels here. So if I jump a little bit, that's what, what's happening. Um, he thinks the hire is a little bit controversial, too, uh, maybe. I don't know. Yes, <laughs> no, he's very upset with what I'm about to say. Um, so the media availability thing, I think, is a little overblown. Uh, like I said, like I, the media tends to be a little self-important of like, no, no, you need to talk to us. And look, we are part of the media. So don't get me wrong. Like, I understand, like, we are an important you know, part of the way of the sports world functions. But at the same time, if he takes the draft weekend off, okay, you're just going to get the answers. Hey, how do you feel about your first round pick? Oh, I feel great. He's a good kid. He's going to be really, you know, really productive for us. We love this drive, but you're going to get the same answers you've got. Like you said, the guy that I've been on this job for 20 years. You've also been getting the same goddamn answer for 20 years. But still, you need the sound bite, right? You still need it, right? I mean, it's just like, I don't know. It's hey, just going through the motions. It's one of those things you kind of have to do. It's part of the reason I got out of the profession, like, fair, you know, like as fair. a full-time gig is because like, yeah, I was just so sick of being like, well, Dak Prescott's uh, contract negotiations, Dak, what, Dak, what do you have to say about, well, we're working together where, you know, I'm, I really love this franchise and blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, great. We're going to do this for the third goddamn straight day. So yes, it's not great because you do need to build a positive relation with them but that'll blow over very quickly as long as he doesn't screw it up further which i don't think he will um here's the thing that really (laughs) hold on let me do my best uh peter griffin impersonation you want to know what grinds my gears (laughs) i hate this happens almost every year almost always the super bowl loser too sometimes the super bowl winner uh well the defense played poorly was the coordinator distracted by the head coaching opportunity? No! Stop! They are perfectly capable of doing two things at once. It's not like they're just like, okay, it's either watch Patrick Mahomes tape or start getting ready for this potential job that I might have. No. Like, these guys have worked their entire lives to get to this game. They are not putting off this game to, like, talk. Yeah, you might put off, like, an hour or so to talk to the Cardinals and do some researches. Like, yes, you're spending some time doing that but it's not like you just totally forget the freaking super bowl is happening i hate this and I, this is how you know i hate this because i'll actually come to this man's defense for the first time ever on this podcast this happened not once but twice to josh mcdaniels once mm. when it was the colts thing and everyone was like oh so that's why the patriots were shook because he wanted the colts job nope okay well clearly he didn't because he didn't turn his back on us and then it happened again when he took the raiders job everyone was like oh so that's why the patriots offense it's stupid it's dumb. <laughs> Coordinators care about the Super Bowl. That side of the ball sucked because, as you said, they were facing an all-time great quarterback. It happens. Yeah. You lose the Super Bowl. There has to be a loser. Stop blaming the coordinators after they go somewhere else. Now, with the penalty of, like, you can't talk to them during that, I'm okay with that because if that's truly against the rules, you just got to be sneakier than that. It's kind of like what you said where it's like an unspoken rule. It's like NBA free agency. Everybody knows tampering is happening. Like people are talking to NBA free agents right now, uh, even though they're not allowed to. So yeah. it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, we all know we're doing it, but like be sneaky enough not to get caught. So it's I'm I'm okay with the punishment, but I'm not okay with the public backlash of. And I'm so glad you used this, this word, the scapegoating of scapegoating of Gannon. Trust me, that five times fast uh, is just ridiculous. So just, just stop, just stop. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's fair. I'm pretty sure these coaches can multitask, but this I mean, is why, still, you got to look at it sorry, a little bit. Sorry, though, sorry, right? last thing, last thing. This is why I hate Philly fans. No other <laughs> fan base can drive me this fucking crazy for such a stupid reason. God. All right, Ted, just to sort of calm you down a little bit, let's go with a little Please. bit of a pop quiz here. I think this oh, should be a little oh, bit fun. Oh, yeah, so, that, okay, yeah, that'll call <laughs> John the Gannon is now the 43rd head coach in Arizona oh, Cardinals shit. history. And he is now – no, I think, I think you'll be more surprised by this one, Tad. He is now the seventh head coach since the year 2000. Oof. Yeah, so that's Oof. pretty bad. So here's my quick pop quiz to you. Oh, Jesus. Do you think you could name four of their last six coaches? Hmm? All right, go for it then. Hold on, I'm giving the one-year guy they, <laughs> they fired because oh, you did this on purpose because I mixed them up. Um, okay, Ken you're not giving it in order, but just yet Ken, Ken was in Hunt because yes. he was the one that took him to Super Bowl. You got that one. Was it he Todd was Bowles? Coach. Was he the one they he fired was the after? He coach from 2007 to 2012. Todd Bowles was not a coach with the Arizona Cardinals. Who's the guy they fired after a year? Damn it. Uh, okay, well let me not Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury, of course. He was okay. their most recent head coach for 2019, 2022. Oh, Den Dennis Green, duh. Dennis yeah. Green, nice. You yeah. got that They are one. who we yeah. thought they were. 2000, of course. You have to remember that one. 2004. Uh, without that, I would not have um, And Gannon doesn't count? Gannon does not count. That's why I said the Man, other six coaches. Because he is the seventh since the year 2000. I'm going to be so mad when you tell me. It was Todd Bowles got fired after a year. Vance Joseph got fired after a year. Was it Vance? No, because Vance Joseph went. No, no, it was Denver that fired Vance Joseph after a year. We talked about Correct. that in last week's episode. Mm -hmm. It really wasn't Todd Bowles in Arizona. It was not Todd Bowles. In oh, Arizona. you know what? It was New York that fired Todd Bowles. Damn it. Correct. Correct. But huh? All these guys you... share something in common. It's very suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh... you're missing the what that coach that got fired after a year, but you're missing another big name that was in Arizona. Uh, was it? Give me a timeline. Was it before Dennis Green? Because if it was before Dennis Green, I don't. No, know. no, no. There's one coach before Dennis Green, but I don't think you'll get that one. It okay, is way so after Dennis Green. It was between Wisenhunt and oh shoot, who was that? I, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm right, probably so I'm gonna be up. I'm gonna be very angry when you tell me, but I'm yes, not sure will. about that. You, yeah, you right. will be there. Um, so was, uh, I think... no, shut up. It was um, okay. <laughs> it was the coach after Wisenhunt, right? It is the coach after Wizard. Absolutely oh correct. God, no, it's it's uh some just thirteen to tell. Oh, it was like some like established coach, wasn't it? It was um a little bit. Oh come on! All right, I give up. Okay, so you got Dennis Green, obviously Ken Wizard uh, Hunt. Uh -huh. The coaches you're thinking about that got fired after your Steve Wilkes, who is oh, now the that was defensive quarter with my San Francisco 49ers. Huh. Also, also something in common with the other two guys. Weird. You also got Cliff Kingsbury, obviously, but the coach that I was talking about, and this is why I was like, I think I think you might get it, I think you might get it, because Todd Bowles was on his coaching staff in Arizona. Bruce Arians, damn there it! There you go, Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians. Oh, was the head coach. especially as a Colts fan, that that's exactly bad. from 2013 to 2017. Yeah, because that was when was that was when Pagano got cancer, and Arians mm -hmm. has to step in for like what six or eight games, and people are like, exactly. this guy can coach, and then he yeah. got the Arizona job. He got that, the damn it. So yeah, the one coach from was he fired? Or did he retire? Um, I think he was fired. I, I thought he quit. That might be possible. Or maybe I'm mixing up that in Tampa Bay because he definitely quit Tampa Bay. Yes, hundred percent there. So the one coach that I really don't think he would have gotten, he was from 2000 to 2003. Uh, that was Dave McGinnis. Literally, he never was heard right him. before Dan Green. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think he would have gotten. But I figure with the recent ones, you should have gotten those. So you got close. You got close. I remember that. that Ken Wisenhunt, and obviously for like the Kurt Warner reasons, that Ken Wisenhunt Cardinals Super Bowl team is honestly probably one of my top five favorite NFL teams of all time. 
Like I wanted them to win that Super Bowl so badly. <laughs> Fucking James roster. Harrison. They were a good team. They were a good team there. So let's jump back to Jonathan Gannon. As mentioned, he is now the 43rd coach in franchise history. But yeah, that's seventh coach since 2000. That's that's a little that's bit rough. A little that's bit rough. I wonder so, how that ranks among the other teams. Oh, I'm pretty sure Cleveland has a pretty good history. Detroit probably has a good history as well. So, I mean, we can look into that in a future yeah. episode. But, yeah, Ooh, you know not, what? Not all that great. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. But anyway. Well, let's let's get this into is the, Scott This is the one that's going to work. Exactly. <laughs> Arizona Cardinal fans are hoping, obviously. So, let's get into Gannett's coaching style. So, as mentioned, uh, Tad, I think you might speak a little bit more on the defense here. So, I'll pass that to you a little bit a little later here. But we want to give this a fancy spin. So, Jonathan Gann, obviously, is a defensive-minded head coach. So, we got to look at his offensive coordinator. And he Interesting hire. Interesting very hire. interesting hire. Yeah, Drew Petzing as his offensive coordinator. He was most recently the quarterback's coach with the Cleveland Browns. So let's get into a little bit of his coaching history here. So he's been in the NFL since the year 2013, that season. So he's held various position jobs and assistant coaching jobs as well. So he's been a wide receivers coach with the Minnesota Vikings back in 2019. He was the tight ends coach with the Cleveland Browns in 2020 and 2021. As mentioned, he was most recently a quarterback's coach with the Cleveland Browns last season. And as mentioned, he's been in assistant position coach roles from 2016 to 2018 only with the minnesota vikings and the cleveland browns though so those are his only two stops on his nfl journey here so yeah now he is the offensive coordinator here with the arizona cardinals and honestly he doesn't have a lot that we can go off of because like i said he's only been a position coach so i mean there's a few things that we can see there that you know last year obviously in cleveland we had jacoby Brissett start majority of the games then we got a little bit of deshaun watson at the end but i don't know if you can blame deshaun watson on petsing specifically i think that's just a whole lot of rust on the behalf yeah. of deshaun watson but what he did with jacoby Brissett was actually pretty impressive like he put him in good situations he looked pretty you know feasible honestly tad he we talked about him a lot during the season as a fantasy streaming option because he yep. had, could give you just all enough. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Matchup based. And if you need it, especially during those, you know, crucial bye weeks where you can't have your quarterback, like he was a pretty good fill in option. So, I mean, I like what he did there with uh, Jacoby Brissett. So, I mean, there's a little bit of something we could go off of there, obviously, but just honestly, it's just a lot of unknown. I'm not quite sure what we're going to get from this offense. So I think the best, the best thing that we can do here, Tad, is make a safe assumption that he's going to borrow from the places that he's been already. Most likely he's going to borrow from Cleveland, which is where he most recently was. So I think 100% you have to expect that they're probably going to run the ball, especially with the issues with Kyler Murray. He's going to be hurt. He's probably going to miss at least half the season, if not more than that. Like, I mean, there's a lot of speculation that he may sit out this entire year to just completely get healthy. Like, I mean, it's not out of the the realm of possibility. Honestly, not the worst idea. Exactly. If you potentially want that, like, one and two pick in 2024, it's like – Maybe, maybe, but at least half the season. I think that's safe to say at least half the season. They will be going with Colt McCoy. So, I mean, that is going to be interesting. So, we kind of talked about this on a previous episode, Tad. That's like, I think they're going to lean heavily on James Conner. This was actually one of my spots. This was the spot, actually, that I picked. Dalvin Cook could potentially slide because they only have James Conner. They may want to lean more on the running game. So, that's why it'd be a good dual threat option there. So, we're not sure when that's going to happen. Obviously, we're still a wait and see. It doesn't seem like Dalvin Cook or DeAndre Hopkins is in a rush to sign. But we'll get into that maybe a little bit later once the sightings actually happen here. But I think they'll lean very heavily on James Conner. They want to establish the run. If you look at Cleveland over the past couple of seasons when Petsing was there, they were in the top 10 in rushing attempts every single season. So you have to look at that as far as like that's where their strength is right now. You got to lean on James Conner. They have a 
I'd probably say above average offensive line. It's not the greatest, but it's also not the worst. So mm, I think that's I, where I don't think it's very good. <laughs> say what you want, but it's just like I think that's probably where you don't have as effective an offensive line. It's a lot harder to pass protect. Well, wait, sorry. Are you saying Cleveland's offensive line is good or Arizona's? No, 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 Arizona's. Arizona's. Yeah, no, as I said, no, above average. No, above average, no. I'd probably say. And like you're, I said, you're if being you have... far too generous. <laughs> but they I'm also saying that for an offensive lineman. No, I know. I know. But that's part of the improvement, hopefully. Like, I mean, oh, yeah, we'll see that. But just cool. like I said, I think if you have a pretty bad offensive line, you can still run the ball somewhat. So I, that's yeah. why I say I think I still have a little bit more stock in this running game. Now, the passing game, that's a completely different story. I don't know how much I trust that. But in the yeah, running game, yeah. I think I trust that they could give James Conner enough carries that he could be effective somewhat. But we'll get to, you know, who's going to benefit from the offense a little bit later here. But just I think they're going to establish the run. They also signed Corey Clement in the offseason. They have Keontae Ingram as a holdover former USC Trojan. So, I mean, we're going to see how they're going to sprinkle that in. But I think all three running backs are going to be very utilized in this system, very similar to how Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Dearness Johnson were used in Cleveland. So I can see something very similar happening here with the Arizona Cardinals. So one interesting thing I noted was looking back on like how all those Vikings teams did, because as you mentioned, he was with the Vikings for about right. six years. Um, mm-hmm. Of those six years, only twice did they have 1,000 yard rushers. And I'm not saying that's his fault because, as you mentioned, he was never the running backs coach. It was always like some kind of like receivers coach, tight ends coach. Like he basically bounced around everywhere except for running backs. Exactly. But I think just like from what he experienced of, uh, and let me tell you, some of those like Jarek McKinnon was the leading rusher one year with like 580 yards. That could not have been easy on the offense. So I think it's it's you know like what you said you you take you know what you learn from the offense but it's also what you see what you experience you learn from that and i think that if he was smart he would recognize but especially because he goes from that to because the two dalvin the one was dalvin cook's first 1000 yard rushing year the one after that he was gone for that cleveland uh mm-hmm. had gotten him at that point and so you go from a team that struggles to run the ball for the better half of a decade, which is a big reason why Mike Zimmer got fired and he better recognize that. And then you go to Cleveland, which as you mentioned is in my opinion, probably the best rushing attack in the league over the past couple of years. Um, You see the difference that makes an offense. And so I think that you are absolutely correct that he, if he was a good coach and we're assuming he is since he got hired for this position, um, that he's going to recognize that and, and implement that in his offense. So I, I think that's a pretty safe bet to make. Now is James Conner draftable? I think you could justify him in the, in the later rounds, maybe mid rounds, but for me, he is a high priority waiver target where again, if your league has a, a priority list, uh, he's like at the top of mind. So I will prove it to me first. Let's see how this goes. But if like he has one good week, you know, week one, two or three, I'm going after him instantly. Yeah, so we'll get into the fancy aspect in a little bit here. There's a few more points I want to make about Petsing's offense here. So on the passing side, now, like we talked about, Kyler Murray's not going to be in this offense for at least half the season, if not a little bit more than that. So we're going to go with Colt McCoy. Now, one thing, Tad, that I definitely think we can expect from this offense, it is going to be the complete antithesis of what Cliff Kingsbury was doing last season with this spread them out, air raid offense. Like, that is – 
That is not going to happen with Mike Petzing. Um, I know we sort of say this every single time we talk about a new coach, but the principles come from the West Coast, so we're going to see a little bit more of a conservative passing attack, lots of dinking and dunking. Obviously, Colt McCoy's skills are not going to be able to air it out as much as he wants to. So, I mean, I think it's going to be very, like, just, you know, slowly move the chains down the field with the run game and the short passing attack, maybe every so often going deep to a Rondale Moore potentially, maybe a uh, Greg Dorch or something like that, possibly, but very few and far between. It is not going to be a very aggressive offense by any means. So once though Kyler Murray's back in the picture, I 100% think they're going to because they're kind of locked into him. So unless they figure out a way to trade him, not even kind of like they are 100% (laughs) locked. They're 100. So they're going to focus the offense on him. I'm pretty sure he may borrow a little bit from his time in Philadelphia, seeing what Shane Steichen did. So maybe seeing some RPO action. I feel that's pretty natural, obviously, when you have a running quarterback. But I think also they're going to make sure that they're running the ball more. (laughs) Sorry. I'm pretty sure they're going to be running the ball more. But he, James jumped, he jumped off the cabinet and scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I also saw the shadow behind you. So yeah. That was fantastic. So all you YouTube viewers, you're you got not, a great show. But unfortunately, you're not Batman, buddy. It was great. <laughs> unfortunately, you missed out there. Oh uh, but that's why it benefits you to subscribe not to the podcast, but also to the YouTube channel as well. So make sure there you're doing both. Good plug. So, Good plug. Get but anyway, so I don't think we're going to see as aggressive as a passing attack. I think it's going to be very more conservative. You're going to get some more DK Ducky. Once Kyler Murray's back to the picture, we could see some more aggressiveness and you could see some more deep shots you could see some more rpo action as well but just overall just this passing attack it's not going to be anything that i'm going to be too concerned about if i'm an opposing defense there so just yeah it's going to be very simple for sure well and this is kind of a hard thing about doing generally this you know whole episode is uh it will be much more interesting to talk about jonathan gannon and the system next season because like you said the yes. season going in and i of course the players would never say this of course the coaches would never say this Everybody knows the season is a wash. Like everybody knows like, with, with Murray 100%. out without like, unless like some miracle quarter, unless Tom Brady all of a sudden is like, ah, hey, I'll play for Arizona. Uh, <laughs> no, he's playing for the Raiders. We've already talked about this on the podcast. Um, he's in, he's in a different desert or is it the same go. desert. It's just a really big desert. I don't know. Neighboring but, states. It kind of, okay. Yeah, there we go. But anyway, <laughs> is uh, it's just, it, it's a wash. So I'm not really like going to invest too. It, it'll be interesting. Like you said, to see how their system works, but I'm not going to like base. Oh, does this or how the system functions? I should say in the first year, that's what I'm going to try to figure out. And then if they're asking me if it works, I'm telling you, wait till next year. Because it's just not fair to judge a system off a uh, you know quarterback that's running it who is what like 36. And, and don't yeah. get me wrong. Like, and in case you guys haven't seen it, the in-season hard knocks with the Cardinals was fascinating. Because um, I think Colt McCoy is going to be a hell of a coach one day. He was really really cool to watch. But he's 36, and there's a reason he's never been like a long-term starter. So I, I'll be interested to see how it goes. But uh, yeah, just my I do not have that high of hopes for the Cardinals, really any Cardinals player. Um, Trey McBride is an interesting name to keep your eye well, on. Well, Ted, before, before we okay, transition okay. to sorry, like the fancy sorry, aspect, sorry. Okay. Um, I think we want to save a little bit of time. Obviously you're familiar with Jonathan Gannon, but just how do you think this defense is going to operate? Because right. they lost some key pieces. They've got some young players on the, on the squad there. Buda Baker wants to be traded. So I mean, it's like, it's going to be very interesting how this defense is going to play out, but just like speak about a little bit, just like how do you think God, Jonathan Gannon is going to transform this defense to hopefully make them a better unit? So I'll touch on the boot baker thing in a bit. Um, you know, again, it's hard to really, like you said, like be like, okay, this is the system that Gannon is going to run because 
like I said before, he is a very adaptable coach, which is why he's so good and why he is so loved by his players. Um, and the more research I was doing, because I kept typing in like Jonathan Gannon's system, like I need to do research yeah. here. And the interesting thing that kept popping up was the name Hassan Reddick. And Reddick turned into one of his biggest, you know, cheerleaders basically throughout the hiring process. And, you know, when asked why he said, because he listens to the players and he implements their advice into the game, into the game plan, which is why, like, I think a lot of people are going to be expecting this like super aggressive defense right off the bat with Arizona. I don't think so. Actually. I think that given Arizona's athleticism, because they do have an athletic defense talented is a question mark, but he is so good at, you know, kind of blending uh, defenses together. That's why Philadelphia like had so many turnovers last year and had so many sacks is because he loves his pre-snap disguise. Because if you just get a bunch of athletes in there, you'll do great. And I'll bring up this name again, but you look at a guy like TJ Edwards. That's why he succeeded so well as he wasn't the best coverage linebacker, but he also wasn't the best edge rusher, but he could do both well enough where like you put him on the left side of the field, you have no clue what he's doing. And that's what uh, Gannon does really brilliantly. So I would expect a more conservative Cardinals defense the first year that leans like, you know, more in drop back coverage. And, uh, you know, I just really think that like people are going to people being Arizona fans are going to be disappointed. Cause you know, you look at a Eagles, uh, defense that had 70 sacks last year. Now Cardinal fans are going like, Ooh, that could be us. No, you lost nope. JJ Watt. You lost nope. Zach Allen. Don't get your hopes up for that. So, but I think that could end up being developed a couple of years from now, hopefully. Um, but the interesting thing, like I said, is I, I love the fact that he he thrives off athletic players. I know what our listeners are thinking of, like, yeah, no shit. That's what all co coaches do. Not really, though, because you look at, like, guys like Isaiah Simmons, a, a player I'm about to name. Um, they really have – Arizona under Cliff Kingsbury really didn't know how to utilize those guys properly. They're great athletes, but they were always like, hey, we don't really know where to put you. Um so it's not Isaiah Simmons. He was close for my pick, but also Buda Baker was my pick, but uh, I think he's gone as he should be. Cause yeah, again, I, dude, I watched the in season hard knocks and Buda mm -hmm. Baker is so done with that <laughs> shit. Cause I didn't realize he's yeah. like the, he's like the leader of that team. I didn't realize that before I watched it. He is like the emotional leader. He's the one giving up all the hype speeches and stuff. Cause JJ Watt, cause he's a prima donna got all the attention, but yeah. Buda Baker, like I like his attitude a lot. Um, so yes, he deserves out and I think he will get his wish. I think that's going to be a preseason trade. Uh, I think the player that could really step up in this defense is, and this is my player who benefits cause it's not totally fantasy based, uh, Zavin Collins. Mm -hmm. I think this is the time for the former first round pick to step up as a leader of this defense with Buda Baker. Even if he doesn't get traded, he's probably going to hold out. Um, so I think this is a big time chance for him to step up because he only had 25 tackles his rookie year stepped up to get a hundred tackles uh, last year. Now his other numbers weren't so great. He had two sacks, one interception, one forced fumble. Like it's not bad. Don't get me wrong. But I think that the way, and again, this is why I said I was going to bring it up, up again is the way that Gannon elevated TJ Edwards. I like Zayvon Collins athleticism more than TJ Edwards. So now yeah, you have a sure. more athletic version of TJ Edwards that just hasn't lived up to expectations. I think that Gannon can turn this kid into a real superstar and keep in mind that his contract rookie contract is coming up pretty soon. So this is the time for him to step up. And I really think Gannon is going to like work, do some real, real good work with him. So if like saving Collins explodes this season, don't be that surprised. Cause I think the scheme, whatever it may be is going to really, really benefit them. But in terms of like specific scheme, 
expect a lot of four, three, uh, Gan seemed to really enjoy that. And, um, it's just, it's just tough. Cause I think you'll be base four, three, but they're going to run multiple D like all throughout Gan's time there. So just, just be ready. Cause you're going to see some, you're going to see some weird stuff, but worked in Philadelphia. And honestly, like they have a lot of young pieces, so they need to figure out what their identity is on both sides of the ball. And mm. they have some good pieces on both sides of the ball. Like I was just looking at their defensive depth chart right now. So it's like they drafted BJ Ojolari, who's got a lot of promise, obviously. Mm. They recently, the, the previous draft, they drafted BJ Sanders and Cameron Thomas. You already brought up Isaiah Simmons, uh, Zayvon Collins. So I mean, it's like they got a lot of young pieces that could be promising. It's just, yeah, adapting to the system. Like you said, Jonathan Gannon giving his input. He obviously had a very successful defense in Philadelphia last year. So it's like the potential is there. It's just like this year, like as a Cardinals fan, don't expect a whole lot. Yeah. And that sort of gets to like my player who sort of stands to benefit here. So I'm going to say James Conner. I've already brought it up that they're going to put an emphasis on this running game. But honestly, my real answer is no one. Like, I'm not yeah, really trusting yeah. anybody in this offense for fantasy purposes. Like I sort of already said, I think they're going to figure out what their identity is, like what sort of uh, offense they want to run, who could they sort of rely on. Obviously, we've already mentioned this so many times already, but Kyler Murray's going to be out pretty much majority of the season next year. So it's like it's hard to base your offense against up uh, without the guy that's sort of like the focal point of your offense, or he kind of needs to be because yeah. of the way that he's locked into your team as far as his contract is concerned, right? So it's like you kind of have to wait to see what you could do with him. And so this year, Ted, I know you already said it, but yeah, it's – quote unquote, it's going to be a wash season. It's like, you know, don't really expect a ton from this team. But I think you can see, hopefully, hopefully what Cardinals fans can sort of anticipate is just you may see some flashes where it's like, okay, I right. see where he's going here on offense. I see what he's doing here on defense. Like you said, maybe we're going to see Isaiah Simmons break out and be like, all right, now we're seeing it here. Let's see what happens now as the continued sort For of the love of along, God, right? find, find that man in position. <laughs> exactly. Like, good so, Lord. And so maybe hopefully all that will get locked in. And put this put him in that like, quarterback. He's the, He can throw it. Possibly. Possibly. And he wears, hey, he wears the number nine. He's eligible. There you go. There you go. So it's like hopefully we can see sort of like just some glimmers of hope that's like, okay, they still need to fill a lot of holes. They're figuring out what they want to do on both sides of the ball. And then it can lead to like 2024, 2025, where it's like, okay, now he has his roster. Now he has his scheme all set up. Now he has a little bit of head coach experience as well because this is his first time being a head coach. So it's like all that will come together and hopefully they'll be a little bit more competitive future season. So like I said, for fantasy purposes, there's not a lot of guys that I like. I probably have to say, like I said, James Conner, just because they'll probably feature him the most. But like I said, um, or like we sort of talked about here, their defense is probably not going to be all that good, so they're going to give up a lot of points. I think which their will defense, force the op- I think their defense could be an interesting streaming option with the right matchup. It like could if they're, be. If they're it facing, and I know what people are saying is like, well, no duh. Like if they're facing <laughs> a turnover, a heavy offense, they could be worth streaming. But here's why. You, that's interesting advice is because even if like they're one and eight, them being the Cardinals and they're going against another one and eight team, most of those matchups you stay away from, especially defensively. But honestly, and again, it's, I need to see how this defense functions for the first couple of weeks before I can like cement this take. But like, it's an interesting prospect to look at as a streaming option with their defense. Cause like I said, like if Zayvon Kyle uh, and like Mer said, if you can find those young pieces and really make, start making them flash, well, where are flashes on defense? It's picks. It's fumbles, it's sacks, it's things that get you points. So I think that if this defense is as promising as I think they will be, um, could be a streaming option. Depends on the matchup, but it wouldn't, wouldn't totally be out of the question. I will add the caveat, though, that I'm not considering a streaming option until at least week eight. 
Like they have wow, to adjust the first begin- they have to adjust the beginning parts of the season. Like they're not gonna be right ready to go right out the bat. Like I think it's going to take some time to adjust. Then I'll may start to consider them. Like right when the bye weeks start to approach, like in those mid mid season form, that's why I may start trusting them. And then like I said, my overall point was just that the defense is probably not going to be all that great over the course of the entire season. They're going to let up a lot of points. They're not going to prevent a lot of offenses from uh, doing whatever they want. And so because of that, they're going to be in a lot of situations where they're going to have to come back from. And what do you do when you have to come back? You have to air out the ball a little bit more. So even though we're saying this offense is going to be more conservative, because of the fact that they had to play a lot of catch-up, they're going to end up throwing the ball a lot more. James Conner may not be getting enough touches to be super effective to be a starter in your fantasy roster. Now jumping to the other positions now the one guy i may consider zach Ertz, because of his veteran dependability at the tight end position but once again it's like injury sort of caught up with him his age is sort of catching up with him too so i could see potentially like he could have a week or two where he's successful but overall i just don't trust him long term trey mcbride we saw a glimmer of it but just once again with this offense just trying to figure out who they are i don't know how involved trey trey mcbride's going to the offense 100% 100% up out on Hollywood Brown and really? Rondale Moore. Without Kyler Murray, I do not trust either of those guys. <laughs> like, I mean, they may be, once again, very similar to Zach Ertz. I think they may be good, like, maybe two or three weeks. But once again, not consistently where I'm like, okay, I want this guy in my starting roster, even at a flex position. Like, maybe a bench spot I can consider these guys. But overall, like, just for me, I think the biggest takeaway for me is just, like, I'm not trusting any Cardinals players this year fancy. I like, and maybe I'm, well, I'm definitely biased, but I like Hollywood Brown because <laughs> um, he proved me right. And I always love players that do that. Uh, Alan Robinson is better than Hollywood Brown, you idiots. But anyway, um, I like Hollywood Brown as a bench option, like you say, especially going into the season. Because I, I, If I consider any Cardinals player, sorry, I consider any Cardinals player, it's 100% on the bench. 100% on the bench. We need to do a segment where we just like do our best first take impression. We just start talking <laughs> over each other. That would be so funny. But okay. um, yeah. what do we always say with, uh, you know, risky receivers and tight ends? They got to throw it to somebody. They're, it's not, fair. it's not That's 1940. You're not running yeah. it 80 times a game. So they're, they're going to pass it. They need to stay in these games. So, I mean, who has he got other than Hollywood Brown? Now, Rondell Moore, I, I, I'm with you on that one because he hasn't proved he can do shit even with a proven quarterback. So, uh, like, I'm I'm saying, yeah, absolutely away from Rondell Moore until he proves otherwise. But um, no, I think Hollywood Brown's worth like a like like last receiver, or like last bench spot. Okay, yeah, like I said, I think any Cardinals player that I potentially may draft this year, 100% they're going to be on the bench, and I need to wait and see what they're going to do. So, I mean, but just overall, it's just like I think. We've already sort of laid the groundwork here. This season is not going to be a season to be it's Somehow we still rooted. talked about it for 40 minutes. <laughs> it's like you need to be a diehard Cardinals fan to have super optimism that something's going to happen this year. Like, But just potentially it's like they're going to be picking the top five. Like, I mean, let's just lay it out there. Like, I mean, they're 100% going to be doing that. Um, but, yeah, I think – there's potential. There's obviously potential. We don't want to be too negative with this team. Like, I think it's just a lot of wait and see. I think that's just the biggest thing to see whether everything that Gannon has done, like in Philadelphia, that could translate to Arizona. Like I said, we don't have a lot of information on my petsing and what his offense is going to do. Maybe he's going to figure it out here, establish the run. Once Kyler Murray's back, be a little bit aggressive in the passing game. So, I mean, it's just a lot of just wait and see with Arizona. But just, yeah, hard to be a Cardinals fan this year. I think that's safe yeah. to say, right? <laughs> Between the Cardinals and the Colts, I, I don't honestly know who. At least we like have like hope at quarterback. I'll True. take it. True. Although, although speaking of the Colts, real quick, 
Uh, yeah. I love one of the uh, one of the headlines on ESPN I saw two days ago. Anthony Richardson still trying to find consistency. Fucking told yeah, you guys. I did. Told you guys. <laughs> it's still so early, man. Give uh, it a little bit of time here. Uh, sounds, but yeah, sounds like Kyler Murray 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh that'll close out today's episode discussing Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and just what he's going to bring to the team, and more specifically, if he's going to bring anything fancy football. If you listen to the episode, like I mean, clearly we're not that optimistic as far as fancy aspirations, but we were more optimistic about Sean Payton. So, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, make sure you check back to that episode. We gave a lot of great information there. And we're going to continue this going on. We've got three more coaches to get to. We're going to give you one every single week. And guys, the best way you can find out about when all those episodes are dropping, follow us on social media and make sure you're subscribing to our podcast as well as our YouTube channel. So you see us on social media, you see us on Twitter. You got me at on the side 23. You got Tad at Tad side 94. You got the show handle at the decide guys. And of course on Instagram at the decide guys as well. As mentioned, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, just hit that subscribe button. Always be up to date with our podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. So we're always up to date with our YouTube channels. And I think first and foremost, and like, I guess not first and foremost, but just most importantly, that's, that's the one there I was looking go. for. There there. It is. Nailed it. <laughs> Make sure you're subscribing to the great content that is being dropped by LAFB Network as well. We are part of that great network, but there's a lot of great content when it comes to LA sports, both on the professional level and the college level. So they got you covered for the Rams, the Chargers, the Trojans, and the Bruins as well. So I mean, lots of great content coming to you. Make sure you're subscribing to their YouTube channels, their podcasts, and also reading the great articles on the website there. So, guys, I mean, seriously, anything you're doing to support us, whether it's following us on social media, interacting with us on social media, watching the videos, listening to the podcast, I mean, just seriously, anything and everything that you're doing to support us, we just can't thank you enough. Absolutely. And if you're watching us on YouTube, feel free to comment below. Like, should the Cardinals think about getting rid of Kyler Murray? Should what should the Cardinals do? Uh, what should their draft plan be for 2024? They'll likely have two top 10 picks. So, uh, you know, what what should they do with that? I just made a bet with my friend. Um, what was that last weekend where he was like, no, no. first overall is going to be uh, Caleb Williams and Drake May. I'm like, dude, no, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to go second overall. So I have a ter- – I don't know why I took this bet. But I have a terrible bet. First or bet. second, right? That's, that, that's first or right? second that yes. Marvin Harrison – so basically my friend has the field, and I have first or second that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to go because I'm so confident the Cardinals are going to take him should they be there. So I, do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you think about the Cardinals' chances this year? Are we being too negative? Is John – how about this for posing question to our listeners and viewers? Is Jonathan Gannon in danger of being a one-and-done candidate? Does Arizona do it again? They've had the they've they've have a history of doing that, as we proved in the beginning of this episode. So keep up those interactions. If you're not watching on YouTube, like Amur said, you can hit us up on social media, uh, especially Twitter at the Desai Guys. Uh, check that every day. So please, please, please keep up the interaction because without you guys, there would be no us. So thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, everyone, please stay safe.